Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org friendshipwithgod.org or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Father, thank you so much for your word this morning. It's a precious word. We love you because you gave us your word. And Lord, what we want to do this morning is to honor your word by hearing it. Speak to our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, Genesis chapter 22, verse 10. And Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. And the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here am I. And he said, Lay not thine hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God, seeing that thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram, offered him up for a burnt offering in the stead of his son. And Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah-Jireh, as it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord it shall be seen, or he shall be seen. And the angel of the Lord called unto Abraham out of heaven the second time and said, By myself have I sworn, saith the Lord, for because thou hast done this thing and hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, that in blessing I will bless thee, in multiplying I will multiply thee, thy seed, as the stars of the heaven, and as the sand which is upon the seashore, and thy seed shall possess the gate of his enemies, and in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, because thou hast obeyed my voice. Now, this morning as we study this passage, there are several Bible principles that we're going to see in this passage that are very important. In our last study, we saw how God stopped Abraham from plunging the knife into Isaac. He was just about to do it when in verse 12, God said, Lay not thine hand upon the lab, neither do thou anything unto him. Then we saw how just as Abraham said that uh, God would provide, which he did in verse 13, and he lifted up, he did provide. And in verse 13, he is the provision. When he lifted up his eyes and he looked, and behold, behind him a ram, caught in a thicket by his horns. And then we saw how Abraham saw the ram and he took action in verse 13. He went, he took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering in the stead of his son. And we study the greatness of these words, in the stead of, in the stead of. And as a matter of fact, that was the beginning of a new Bible principle a thread, if you like to think of it that way, that just weaves its way all throughout the Bible. This in the stead of Bible principle is now beginning here from this point as a thread. And this thread is just woven all throughout the Bible. It's woven especially throughout Isaiah 53 as an explanation. Why did the Lord Jesus Christ die? In Isaiah 53, 4 through 5, the thread, we see the thread. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows And in verse 5, but he was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement of our peace upon him. With his stripes we are healed. In our stead he bore our griefs and carried our sorrows. 
In our stead, he was wounded for our transgressions. In our stead, he was bruised for our iniquities. In our stead, he was punished for our peace. Verse 6, the Lord hath laid upon him the iniquity of us all. Our iniquities were laid on him so that he could be in our stead. In verse 8, for the transgression of my people was he stricken. In our stead, he was stricken. In verse 11, so shall my righteous servant justify many, he shall bear their iniquities. In our stead, he bore our iniquities. In verse 11, he shall bear their iniquities. In our stead, he bore their iniquities. In verse 12 of Isaiah 53, he bare the sin of many. In our stead, he bare the sin of many. In those verses, what we see there in the most dramatic form is this thread of the in our stead Bible principle, all woven throughout Isaiah 53 and throughout the rest of the Bible, which teaches us he died for our sins in our stead, just as the ram died in the stead of Abraham's son. So this in the stead of Bible principle teaches us, and what we see here is that an innocent one, a one who was not guilty, could stand as a substitute for the guilty and could die. That pure one, that spotless lamb of God, the lamb without any blemish, without any spot of sin, he could stand in our stead. And Abraham understood on that mountain, and this is remarkable, just think about it, that Abraham got it at that time. And he didn't come to Mission Valley Chapel and sit in the class. And he got it there on the Mount Moriah. And he understood that Jehovah, who was speaking to him, who would later take on the name of Jesus. This Jehovah Jesus was coming to die in the stead of man. And so as Abraham stood there, overwhelmed with this understanding that Jehovah Jesus is gonna be the Lamb of God to take away the sin of the world by dying in the stead of the world, Abraham proclaims that God the Father would see, and in fact, all would see, not just God the Father, but all would see, those who have revealed to them, that God the Son, the Lamb of God, and that's why he gave this name in verse 14. He called the name of the place Jehovah Jireh, for as it is said, in the mount of the Lord, he shall be seen. So with this new name, we have a wonderful union here because this is a place. God said, I want you to go to that place called Moriah. And then Abraham gets there and he says, I'm gonna rename that place Jehovah Jireh. So we have this marriage, this wonderful union of these two names as they come together. Because in verse 14, we read, Abraham called the name of the place Jehovah Jireh. He didn't call it Moriah. But in verse 2, God said, that's the place of Moriah. So we got these two names. And the name Moriah means God shows. And the name Jehovah Jireh means God is seen. He shall be seen. So the first name of Moriah, God shows, It reveals to us a second Bible principle this morning, and that's the Bible principle of revealed truth. Revealed truth. The Bible principle of revealed truth has the same idea as found in the first verse of Isaiah 53, Isaiah 53, 1. Who hath believed our report? It starts off with a question in the first half of Isaiah 53, 1. And then the second half of Isaiah 53, 1 ends with a question, but that question answers the first question. So Isaiah 53 teaches the truth that the Lord Jesus Christ died for our sins, and it starts out with this question. Who believes this? Who believes this report? Who believes that thou, my God, should die for me? Who believes that God died on Mount Moriah, on Calvary? That's the same question that we're asking today and for these 12 weeks 
Uh, This summer, during the Summer Blitz, as we try to reach the Jewish people, and this year in Brooklyn, the Orthodox sections of Brooklyn and Baltimore. We'll finish, we'll finish, hopefully with all the students we started with, (laughs) but we screened them all to make sure that they were fast runners (laughs) running away. But anyway, we'll finish, Lord willing, by knocking on 200,000 Jewish doors, about 17,000 Jewish doors per week. And at the end of each week, we ask the same Isaiah 53 question. Of the 17,000 Jewish doors this knocked on this week, who believes this report? Who believes this report that God died for their sins on the cross? And so the second part of Isaiah 53 is the answer. Or it says it's not a case like that. But he says the answer is to whom is the arm of the Lord? Revealed. Revealed. So the first question, who has believed our report, is answered by the second question, to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? To whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? Those are the ones who believe the report. It's to those to whom the arm of the Lord is revealed. Those are the ones who believe. And we see this in Matthew 16, verses 16 through 17, when Simon Peter answered the Lord, and he asked him, who do you say that I am? And he steps forward and he says, you are the Messiah. You are the Christ. You are the son of the living God. You are God the son, the living God. You are. And then Jesus turns to him in verse 17, and he says to him, Blessed are thou, Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father, which is in heaven. That's how you understand that. Because it was revealed to you that I'm God. When Peter saw clearly that the Lord Jesus Christ was God, he explained it to him, this was not a matter of flesh and blood. Nobody convinced you of this, Peter. No teacher persuaded you, my Father in heaven, that revealed my deity. See, that's what was the point with Peter. And that statement, flesh and blood had not revealed it unto thee, my Father in heaven, that's the Bible principle of revealed truth. Revealed truth. So if it's true, then the question becomes, well, then how does God decide who he's going to reveal it to? Is it arbitrary? Is it capricious on his part? Does he just say, I like you. I think I'll reveal it to you. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. (laughs) That's not the way it is. Does the Bible teach that God just sovereignly just chooses one, two, three? Everybody else, no. Is that the way it works, that he reveals that truth, that he died, that God died for our sins? No. The Bible tells us who God has decided to reveal this gospel to. Because in Matthew eleven twenty five, it says, at that time, Jesus answered and said, I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because thou hast hid these things from who? The wise and the prudent, and hast revealed them unto babes. So when a person comes in and says, I don't think you know who you're talking to, God says, I'm hiding it from you. But when a person comes in and says, have mercy on me, O God, a lost sinner. I'm a babe. I know nothing like King Solomon who had that great position. And he said, I am a babe. I'm a child in your sight. Give me an understanding heart. It's very interesting. But anyway, and then God says, oh, you, yes. You, yes. See, it's to those who humble themselves that make themselves like babes. That's why he said in Isaiah 66, 2, for all these things hath my hand made, and all these things have been, saith the Lord, but to this man will I look, even to him that is poor and of a contrite spirit. King Solomon had all the riches, richest man on earth, but he was a poor man in his own sight. Knowest thou not that thou art poor and wretched? And he knew he was poor and wretched and blind. 
and naked. He was of a contrite spirit, and says, even to this man, while well, I look, even to him that is poor and of a contrite spirit and trembleth at my word, reads the word of God and says, oh, oh I'm in trouble. So the picture that's painted in Isaiah 66, 2 is God looking down to see who he's going to reveal his truth to. And as he looks down and he finds the one who sees himself as poor and a babe, and he says, I found him, I found him. To this man will I look, he says, and he reveals his truth to him. That's the Bible principle of God revealing truth. And it's brought out in verse 2 by the first name of the place, Moriah, which means God will show. Now, the second name, which is beautifully married with the first name, as we're going to see in verse 14, is where Abraham gives the second name, and he calls it Jehovah Jireh, which shows us what God will show. In other words, Moriah says God will show. Jehovah Jireh teaches what God will show. And what God will show, because Jehovah Jireh means God will be seen. He shall be seen. God shall be seen. And so Abraham explained it, that it was on this mount that God was going to be seen as the ram. And so the two names married together of Moriah and Jehovah Jireh are beautiful. God will show Moriah, Jehovah Jireh, that God will be seen on this mount. And this explains the ultimate revelation that God gives to man who humbles himself. And that is that God will show that it's God on the cross of Calvary dying for sins. He reveals to the humble that it's God on the cross and Mount Jehovah Jireh, God shows that it's God on the cross. And that's the marriage of the two names. This brings to us the truth as we've been seeing before in Isaiah 45, 22, where God says, look unto me and be ye saved, all ye ends of the earth, for I am God and there's none else. What did he say that? On the cross, just as Moses lifted up the serpent and he said, look at the serpent, look at it. And he said, as the serpent was lifted up in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up in John 3. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that who believes in him, believes what in him? That he's God on the cross, dying for the sins. Look unto me on the cross, and be ye saved all the ends of the earth. For I am God, and there is none else, from Isaiah 45, 22. So the Moriah, God shows the revelation it shows, as in Revelation, and the revelation is Jehovah Jireh, that God is seen in the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross. When the thief was on the cross, the good thief, I don't know which one was on the right hand, I guess it was on the right hand, he humbles himself, and he says in Luke 23, but the other answering rebuked him, see the good one rebukes him, and says, does not thou fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? So in other words, he's saying, and we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. In other words, he's humbling himself, and he says, this cross is what I deserve. I have sinned. I am rightly condemned. We are rightly condemned. But he's speaking of himself. I am rightly condemned. I'm receiving here what I do. That's humbling himself. And he said that. He was humbling himself. And then God revealed to him that that was God next to him on the cross dying for his sins. So he confesses in the next verse, he said unto Jesus, Lord, God, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. So when he calls him Lord, he was saying, Jehovah Jireh. He was saying, see, Moriah had happened to him. God showed him. And he was saying, I see God. God shall be seen. I see God on this cross next to me at Calvary. I see him. And then, so he had the marriage of the two names of Moriah and Jehovah Jireh on the very mount where this was said. So we've seen this 
beauty wrapped up in these two names for the same place. First, Moriah, God shows, teaching us that God saves us from our sins by showing us or revealing to us Jehovah Jireh, that God was there. And so it's teaching us that it's God who died on the cross for our sins. So these two truths that we've just seen here about Moriah and Jehovah Jireh, they really impressed Abraham on Mount Moriah. I mean, he was just blown away because he saw it there. And the Lord Jesus Christ spoke about it. He says, well, that was some day for Abraham. He saw my day. Where? There. He saw my day. And he rejoiced in it, the Lord said. So he was a happy man as he was there. But that was Abraham. What about Isaac? When Isaac looked back on Mount Moriah, what did Isaac think about? (laughs) Isaac thought, that's the place where I was saved from the fire of judgment. That was Isaac's thought. He says, you know, good for Abraham. God shows him it's God down on the cross. Me? I had a close call on that mountain. You know, boy, I ain't never going up a mountain again. (laughs) He says, says, that was a close one. So he's impressed with the fact that he was saved from the fire of judgment. Now, when we put this all together, we think about Mount Calvary or Mount Moriah here. These three thoughts are what we should be meditating on. These three thoughts are what should dwell in us richly, as the Bible says, when we think about Moriah. Number one, when we look at Calvary, the first thought is Moriah. God showed to me what happened on Mount Calvary. That's the first thought we should always have in our mind when we think about Calvary, that it was revealed to us. We didn't discover it. We didn't take a home Bible correspondence course and get it. God revealed it to us. It could have come through some teaching, but in the final analysis, God revealed it. So we know it's been revealed. That's the first thought. Second thought is Jehovah Jireh. When we think about Mount Calvary, we think that was God on the cross dying for me, dying for my sins. That's the second thought. And those are Abraham's two thoughts. And the last thought we have is Isaac's thought. When we think of Calvary, we think, that's the place I was saved from the fire of judgment at Calvary. Those are the three thoughts where we see where Calvary was. We always talk about God the Son, and that's true of the Lord Jesus Christ. But on Calvary, he became God the Lamb. See, he was God the Son who became God the Lamb. So that's what we think of. We think of God the Lamb on Calvary, and I was saved from the fire of judgment at Calvary. Those are the three thoughts. So as as they go off this mountain here, Abraham looks back and he says, God showed me. God showed me that God's going to die for my sins. And Isaac turns back and he says, that's where I was saved from the fire of judgment. Those are the three thoughts that should dwell in us richly that we should be meditating on when we think about Calvary. This place of Moriah is where God revealed to Abraham. It's going to be the place where God the Lamb is going to die. In Genesis 22, God revealed to Abraham that it's Mount Moriah. It's that place where the Lord Jesus Christ is going to die for the sins. That was the revelation. We're in Genesis. This is Genesis 22. It's going to be a long time. I don't think we'll ever get to it. But anyway, before we get to the book of Micah, (laughs) it was a thousand years later. might take us a thousand years to get there too. uh, To get to the book of Micah, where in Micah 5.2 it says, But thou, Bethlehem, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth. So in other words, that was the revelation in Micah of the birthplace of the Lord Jesus Christ. So why? Why did God reveal that Mount Moriah... Why did God first reveal that Mount Moriah was the place of the death of the Lord Jesus Christ before he revealed Bethlehem as the place of his birth? Because Mount Moriah shows the purpose 
of why he came to earth. It's the why he came to earth. It's more important than the that he came to earth or the where he came to earth, the Bethlehem. He came to earth to die for our sins, and that's the emphasis. So in Psalm 2-6, when God says, Yet have I set my king upon my holy hill of Zion. When did the Lord set his king upon his holy hill of Zion? When did that happen? It happened in Luke 23, 38 where it says, and a superscription also was written over him in letters of Greek and Latin and Hebrew. This is the king of the Jews. That's when God set his, holy, his king upon his holy hill of Zion. When Pilate put that sign up there over his cross, it was God saying, that's right, Pilate. You betcha because I set my king upon my holy hill of Zion. That was the time when God became the lamb died for our sins, and he set his king upon his holy hill of Zion to make us righteous. That's wonderful. Okay, when he said, this is the king of the Jews, that was God setting his king. Now, we see in verse 15 that God calls to Abraham the second time. Now, what's the reason for God calling to Abraham the second time? Because he says, I want to bless you. I want to really bless you. In blessing, I'm going to bless you. That's the reason. Now, for a moment, we kind of let our minds just sort of imagine a little bit, on Mount Moriah there. We're back on Mount Moriah. And we see the scene, and we hear the sounds. There's some sounds. And we smell the smells, and we feel the feelings that Abraham felt. And we can see Abraham there, and he's standing next to this sacrifice that's burning up. It's the ram. He's burning up. And we see the, the ram there burning up, and we hear the sound of the crackling fire. There's burning up the land. And we smell the smoke of the fire as is top of the mountain as the winds kind of whirl around up there and the smoke's all over the place. And we see Abraham, he's standing right next to the burning sacrifice. He's right standing right there. And the ram's burning. And it's while the ram is burning and Abraham is standing there that God gives him the blessing. Right there. It's almost like we can see Abraham. He's like, maybe sometimes he's engulfed in the smoke of this sacrificial ram as it's burning up there and sort of engulfed in the smoke. Then God says, here's the blessing, great blessing. While the ram is on fire, while the ram is burning, while Abraham is sort of engulfed in the smoke, this great blessing comes to Abraham. Now, with that scene, we can see how linked the sacrifice is for Abraham to get the blessing. And it was at that time, as he's standing there, that God says, in blessing, I'll bless you. Now, that's a picture for us that shows us how linked we are to the Lord Jesus Christ in his sacrifice. You know, don't ever turn your back on Calvary and say, well, that's gory. I don't want anything to do with that. Don't ever do that. Because this scene teaches us that as we're in Christ, and this is the wonderful term that's throughout the New Testament, in Christ, John 14, 20, that that day you shall know that I am in the Father, and ye in me and I in you. The question is, how close did we become to the Lord Jesus Christ when we became a Christian by receiving the Lord Jesus Christ? We became so close that he said, you in me, and you in me is salvation, and no one is saved unless they are in Christ. And we became so close to the Lord Jesus Christ that he said, I in you, and that's sanctification. That's a changed life. See, these two of being in Christ for salvation and Christ being in us for a changed life, that's what's brought together in 2 Corinthians 5, 17 when it says that if any man be in Christ, that's the in Christ part, he is a new creature because Christ is in him. 
Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional verse. Now, Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org, or you can write Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711-330, P.O. Box 711-330, Santee, California. That's S-A-N-T-E-E. Santee, California, 92071. Or you can email Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Sunday Night Church is back. Starting September 25th, join Friendship with God Bible teacher Tom Cantor at the new Friendship with God Fellowship every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Join us early each Sunday at 4.30 p.m. for food and fellowship with Sunday evening services to follow at 5.30 p.m. On opening day, September 25th, we'll have Phil's Barbecue with special guest musician Jim Earp. Enjoy encouraging teaching from our Bible teacher Tom Cantor in a relaxed and family-friendly atmosphere. Sunday Night Church is back, so join us at the Friendship with God Fellowship every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum at 10946 Woodside Avenue North in Santee, California. For more information, call us at 800-247-3051, 1-800-247-3051, or visit friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org for the Friendship with God Fellowship. <laughs> 